Good morning. I am Cindy Vanna. Love talking in the beautiful, blessed KLGO, the Word Studios, 1490 True Talk Radio. Reminding you that we're streaming live at klgo.net. Uh, you can also pick up uh, lovetalknetwork.com, uh, get the audio portion and our latest blog from the First Lady of Love, Miss Evelyn Davison. Good morning, Miss Davison. Good morning, Miss Vonna. You know, that is so exciting for us <laughs> to be able to come on the radio on Saturday morning and address each other like we are per- totally professional people. Oh, when yeah. all we are is amateurs. That's right. And <laughs> rabid amateurs this morning. Oh, my gosh. We're talking about being amped and ramped. All because uh, Mitt Romney yes. announced his running mate. Yes, he has done uh, that. Congressman Paul Ryan, and of course that just uh, let loose a whole lot of conversation here in the studio amongst you and I, and uh-huh. and of course our engineer who's probably more informed Ooh. than uh, us on any number of subjects, uh, Juan Martinez, who keeps us uh, <laughs> going in a straight line. <laughs> Herding cats, that's, that's in his job description. Herding cats. Well, sometimes I feel like that's what we are in a cat world, Cindy, because my friend Joyce Martin has always said, you know, you ha- you know what you have to do to please a, a cat? Nothing. They're not pleasable. <laughs> well, you know, after it came out of my mouth, I thought, you know, there are so many derogatory uh, things said about uh, women in yes. terms of being catty. Yes. That's not the reference that yes. I was using uh, for us, nor with regard to Juan. I'm just saying, you and I can be loose cannons, mm. and it's hard to keep us on the straight and narrow, apart from Christ Jesus. Oh, Our husbands who have a full-time job, then Juan didn't realize that he was signing up for a life sentence here <laughs> in the studio. You know, there's not anything like us in the city of Austin, <laughs> uh, that's for sure, Cindy. But it is so exciting uh, because you and I both believe that we were born for such a time as this. And we're Esther's. You know, we get painted and we take three days to paint and powder and get ready to go before the king. But... We really are blessed, Cindy, in this nation, and we get so involved in the things of entitlement that we fail to really recognize the power of God's presence on this nation and how blessed we really are. Well, you know, I love that because it is easy to become cynical or it is easy to become disenchanted, disappointed. I, you know, I thought about today, and I think this is because we have... We've come into this new venue of talk radio in, in 1490 uh, AM. It's going to be a growing listening audience. I had, I had thought, you know, I, I need to just come clean in some areas. You know, I need oh, to. Oh, really? Be- Have you been dirty? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nasty. Well, according to you, I'm a painted woman. I, I didn't realize <laughs> no, no. that. <laughs> you know, I was like, okay, wait a minute. You know, talk about people who don't know us. I don't really spend three days painting my face. Five <laughs> minutes, a little bit more like it. But no, it's easy when, when things don't go our way. We were talking about that earlier today. We're talking about a nation of ideologues right you know i when we were talking about uh romney's choice for a running mate now romney would not have been anywhere close to being my choice for what would have been a republican 
uh, candidate for president, mm-hmm. uh, nor do I think, you know, I mean, I think this is where a nation of differences. We've always been an amazing group of people, more yeah. about our differences than our sameness. Now, when you get right down to it and you cut away all of the, all of the peripherals, we have some, some, some same core principles mm-hmm. as a people, but boy, we are we in our dialogue with one another. In the debates. Yes, we are. We are tough on and with one another, and always I, have been. We have that at our house. Van is a Republican. I'm an Independent. I say I'm a fun mod. He says, "What in the world is a fun mod?" I said, "I believe in the fundamental scriptures, according to God's word, for the modern heart need of man." But I also believe in the fundamentals of the Constitution of the United States of America. And we are a republic, and that means nobody is to tell me what to do except you. And, of course, he loves that part of it. But, Cindy, we, we really do have a wonderful opportunity here on Saturday, you and I do, to come and just dialogue about the things, not necessarily that are just of interest to women, but to men and to young people and to children and to our leaders. And, you know, we all are looking for a better life. That's the bottom line. Everybody is looking for a better life. And so many in this 335 million people in this nation have no idea what their real expectations are or where they stand in the air of entitlement. And so we are free, you and I are. We are given the freedom to come here on Saturday and make this a dialogue of discussion between two generations. In fact, I told Juan this morning, I am the last living branch of the Jeffcoat family, which is my mother's family. I am the oldest one living today. And, you know, that gets a little bit... um, (laughs) Nervous. <laughs> I, I, I understand what you're saying. But, you know, I am 81 years old. I grew up in a time when you measured everything. I love that because we were talking. I want to just jump in here because I woke up for some reason this morning. I was I was on my way here and I was looking at, you know, the sprinkler systems and all of the yards, you know, and the mm-hmm. landscaping and, you know, the boats getting ready to go out on the lake, you know, the, all of that. And I thought, you know. My gosh, how things have changed yes. since I grew up. Yes. You know, people didn't have landscaped yards. It was a rarity to have a sprinkler system. For a lot Mm-mm. of people, we were on a cistern or a well. Mm-hmm. You you used your gray water. You know, if, oh, yes. you, if you know what I mean by gray water, a lot of people won't even know that. But in other words, you didn't run your water just on and on and on, you had to reuse certain portions of it, not to drink, but you used your gray water again and again and again. And I was thinking about how growing up in West Texas, we rarely ate fish. Because, of course, there yeah. was no source for mm-hmm. fresh fish. And it was at a time when getting fresh fish out to West Texas wasn't really very realistic. When we look at even those very, very small things... And yet a nation that continues to be almost anxiety-ridden mm-hmm. about more. Yeah. Got to have more. more. Or better. More need or more, better. need better. Now, there are those who definitely need more yes. and better. 
I mean, they're getting, they're trying to get their kids in school. They need shoes on their kids' mm-hmm. feet. You know, they've got to get clothes on their back. They don't have to get $100 Nikes on their back, but mm-hmm. they, they need to get them in school and get them ready for school and getting school supplies. supplies. And none of that is easy. And the, for those people, we're talking a certain reality. But this anxiety that we see in this nation about the, quote, more is this uh, entitlement thing you talk about. The, the, the entitlement. And what is the better life? Well, there's a little story I want to tell for us to start today. You and I have a friend named Tammy. I took this story. We have a miraculous friend named Tammy. And Lance. And I took this story and put it into um, a story that would fit their lifestyle where they are right now. They have two children, a little girl that's a little over three, and, and her name is Miran, and then they have Naomi, which is a little over one. And um, one day, they, uh, Tammy had them in the backyard in their little swimming pool with water and everything, and um, they were playing just around the pool and in the pool, and Miran uh, began suddenly to... Uh, she just jumped back and forth in the water like kids do. And suddenly she got out and went and got her sand pail and started dipping the water out of the pool. And Tammy said, why are you doing that, Miran? Why are you taking the water out of the pool? And she said, because it's not good water. And Tammy said, what do you mean it's not good water? And she said, well, you taught me that Jesus walked on water. And I've been trying, and it's not good water, or I could walk on water. Cindy, you know, that's kind of the way that we are. And, of course, Tammy just hooted and hollered because she teaches her children the principles and the precepts of God's Word. Uh, In a child's mind, better and good are two different things. In our mind, we always want the better of everything. And so... in. When we see that in our lives, you know, we have really high expectations. And when we're disappointed, what do we do? We throw the water away or we just discount it. And so as we're looking at where we are in this nation today, especially with the announcement that was made this morning, because we are revving up to a time that you and I are going to make probably one of the most important decisions that we made in our life. That is, who are we going to trust to run this nation, to lead this nation, not to be a dictator, but who is it that God is going to provide for us to be a leader like Moses? Well, I'm thinking about all that you said. You wrote a piece this week that I want us to focus on um, as we move into the program portion today. Uh, You know, we've been in this series, Jesus the Perfect One. And we've spent the summer talking about spiritual legacy and the seven principles of building a nation. And it isn't, we haven't done this series so much that we could look back and say, hey, here's the perfection of a nation. Because you can never look back at the history of this nation and say, oh, that was a perfect time. You and I as women can't look back past 70 years and say it was a perfect nation because there was a time for you and I as women we couldn't have voted or had property rights or have served on a jury. I mean for us as when you talk about fun mods 
you know, for the modern heart, you're really talking about a, a giant portion of the citizenry in this country that doesn't want to look back mm-hmm. because there was a time where looking back didn't represent who we were. You can, you know, that would be true for African Americans. That would be true for our Hispanic and Latino friends. That would be true for our Vietnam refugees that wow. are all recent immigrants to this country. So when we're talking about principles, we are looking at the, some of the original ideas of our forefathers, which were sound and grounded in Judeo-Christian principles. Right. But we're not talking about, quote, going back. To the covered wagon days, is what <laughs> someone told me this week. You're talking about covered wagon days. And I said, no. Well, I hope you and I aren't because most men had three wives back then because we all died on the wagon trail. I'm talking about not wanting to go back. Hey, girlfriend, not you and me. We wouldn't even be here. Yeah, that's for sure. That's for sure. Well, it is time for us to take our break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about some of the things that are going on. We're going to talk about who do we trust and where do we put our trust these days. This is Love Talk. On the word. Good morning. I am Cindy Vaughn. I love talking in the beautiful bless KLGO, the word 1490 True Talk Radio, reminding you that we're streaming live at klgo.net. You can also catch up with Evelyn and I at lovetalknetwork.com. And uh, I'm sorry, we're having more fun than a barrel of monkeys in here. I just want to let you know, I was looking down. It should be illegal, and if we had a boss, we'd get fired. Uh I was looking down at Evelyn's ring, and I thought, well, that is, where is the stone in her ring, her wedding ring? And, of course, it was gone. And so we've been in the studio during break having a small stroke because Evelyn's diamond was gone out of her wedding ring. Well, I want you to know, I know Sonia, we had just looked there, and there it was land. That's like water. Anyway. Oh. I know we've lost it, folks. We're, we have completely lost control. But <laughs> thank you, because Evelyn was afraid she was going to get her butt whipped by Van Davis, so she went home without her diamond and her ring. Okay, now we have we have covered okay, it all. That's we're three we're, here, we're huh? painted women. We've been in a, we've been in a, a covered wagon, and yes. uh, now okay, here we go. We do have major things to talk about here today. We're we're in our Jesus the Perfect One series talking about spiritual legacy and seven principles. And now we're in principle number four where we're talking about education. But before we get into the, the meat of that, Evelyn, I want us to talk about uh, this uh, blog that you developed for us this week. And people, like I said, people can find this at lovetalknetwork.com because I thought it was an awesome a uh, cogent thinking piece at a time when I find that conversation and dialogue in this country 
is uh, really diminishing mm-hmm. and is, is mostly divisive. We were talking even before the program today, the three of us, Juan, you and I, about some of the emails that we get. My, my emails just are, and we've talked mm-hmm. about this before, they're really, they're really crummy. And I, and I only quote have Christian friends, you know, <laughs> coming through my, that should say a lot. Can you imagine what would be out there? These are from my Christian friends, you know, which basically, uh, I mean, are the, the content them, of them is a lot of times just not repeatable. I just right. am on the delete button, delete, 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 mm-hmm. delete. It's, more, it's so negative, so much of it, Cindy, and it's not balanced and it's not reasonable. Um, but, you know, that's the way life is for a lot of people. Sure. You get these little idiosyncrasies or certain perceptions or expectations, and it rules your life if you do not hold on to your rope of hope. Well, I grew up in a household like that. I mean, I, I am, you know, we're the original loud family, and, and, and there maybe have been fun families, but we were just loud. And I mean, there, and mm-hmm. if there was a disagreement, it was a loud disagreement, and there mm-hmm. was often that going on. And politics have always been like, in my family, sports and politics have always been yeah. kind of the same. They're a sport. And, uh, and, and there are a lot of dialogue going around. But, but this is, a, I, I find some of this troubling amongst Christians because it is almost as if, well, here, I want to, I want to phrase this, and I'm going to be fairly bold in this. Okay. You know, you and I are part of the prayer community in America, not yes. just in Austin, but in, and not Texas, but just, but in America in general. And sometimes I ponder this thing of, you know, why is it if there, there's probably more praying Americans mm-hmm. right now in the prayer Agreed. movement than ever before. And yet I'm on some of this prayer stuff. And it is so filled with hopelessness. It is f- so filled with anxiety. It is a list of things that we demand from God. <clears throat> it is like even in the prayer community, we have become ideologues, much like the same people, political hacks. In other words, we're so sure what God wants, we're telling God what he wants. And so I want us to talk about that. Where are the people of God in the area of trust? Cindy, I do not know. I have to be honest with you. Uh, This week has been a very busy week uh, for me. As you know, we published the Good News Journal, and we were about ready to go to press, and uh, three, four things happened. Um, And so I've been pondering uh, this for a number of weeks now because it was suggested, and I has been requested that I write a piece for a major newspaper on the Christian's perspective on this election. So I have been thinking about it a lot, and uh, I put together a, a really little short blog that is available on our website, mm-hmm. LoveTalkNetwork.com. Okay, and. You know, we can't take time to do all of it today, but I just want to hit a couple of the high points, and then you'll have to help me fill in a little bit, Cindy. Uh, we know that, you know, if, we've, if you've studied world history, uh, we all have that frame of reference that kingdoms rise and kingdoms fall. And even in the time of the Judeo-historical uh, accounts that happened with King David and so many of the biblical uh, heroes of, of faith, 
And in the 15th century, uh, there were some kings both in Italy and Bohemia who promised uh, some safe transport and safe custody to um, the great um, Reformation guy who was named John Huss. But, you know, before they were able to uh, really uh, release him, then he was brought before uh, the judgment seat and... um, uh, he was the whole situation was changed from saying he was a good guy to he was not a guy to be trusted. Oh no, that killed him. And they burned him at stake. Yeah, and the Hussites, which are now in, yeah. in America, those are really the brethren. Yeah. Uh uh the Hussites were then persecuted. They they all had to hide out for a long for a long time and, mm-hmm. and once again this was you know, this was out of the beginning even prior to Luther, the beginning of the Reformation were some of the things, the early beginnings of Protestantism, of right. talking about the everyman and the word of God being available to the everyman and the idea of grace being available and not having to buy alms and all of the things that had become such a part of, quote, religion were being challenged. And, of course, then he was martyred for right. that. Well, the point of that is that it's a part of history that this happens in every generation. And so what we're going through today is not anything um, different. Uh, it, it's uh, more widespread, I think. It's more broadcast. People know about it because of, like, we've watched the news here in the studio this morning of the announcement of the new nominee for uh, perhaps for uh, uh, the president. Uh, but the one, the point of all this is nothing is sure in life. The only thing that we know that is sure is the rope of hope that we have, and that is Jesus Christ. And what we have today is a mindset in this nation of two things. <clears throat> Number one is uh, God either owes me or the government owes me, and that's unrealistic expectation. It's called entitlement. And the second thing is, is that if we could only get uh, the right person elected, everything would be would be great. If my if if my ideas would line up, or a person, the president's ideas, or the congressman, or even the governor's ideas lined up with mine, everything would be great. Well, this reminds me of. Um the scripture, Psalm 146, where it says, Do not put your trust in princes and human beings who cannot save. When their spirit departs, they return to the ground. On that very day, their plans come to nothing. Mm-hmm. Blessed are those whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God. And so part of what uh, where you and I are talking to those many times and oftentimes being on a Christian radio station, talking to those who attest to some level of faith in their mm-hmm. life. They believe in God. We don't get, go down the road of parsing that out and what that means in, in an hour once a week. But, you know, here's the deal. You know, uh, you either believe in God and trust him. And one of the things we're doing in, in putting forward these seven principles is how is it that we put our trust in God and yet put our faith in, in action? action? 
Absolutely, Cindy. Because, you know, princes are going to let you down. Kings will let you down. Your senator will let you down. Your governor will let you down. The president can, you know, broadcast all kinds of ideas. And then the day of the moving truck yeah. pulls in. That's right. Then he is in control. I said what? <laughs> yes. When basically the founding fathers of our nation set us to where we have three forms, three different branches of government that are supposed to balance each other. So our reflection is to this. What attitudes or actions uh, do we hold uh, when we support and vote for a political candidate? And what will help us hold on to our convictions and avoid uh, creating an idol or a savior? So... That's where we are in this nation right now, Cindy. We have got to make some major decisions in regard to what our reflection is or what our expectations are. Well, we're going to come back, and we're going to talk about some of that decision-making. And we're going to talk about how we don't defer decisions to someone at the top. The buck stops here. This is Love Talk on the Word. Good morning, I am Cindy Vaughn. I love talking in the beautiful, blessed KLGO, the Word Studios, 1490 True Talk Radio, reminding you that we're streaming live at klgo.net and also that you can catch up with Evelyn and I at lovetalknetwork.com where you can get uh, the latest blog, Evelyn's blog, and whom do I trust. Evelyn, today we're talking about the principle of a God-centered education. Mm -hmm. And, of course, it is easy for this conversation to be misunderstood in the ways that we talked about in the earlier break of covered wagon. You know, are Mm -hmm. we really hearkening back to the old days and we're saying that's what we need to return to, which is impossible. I mean, you might, it'd be, it, this reminds me of the biblical parable. It'd be easier for a camel to go yeah. through the eye of a needle <laughs> than to turn time back in this nation. But to talk about principles that undergird us and, you know, they talk about, you know, the importance of history is to know where you have come from. Absolutely. And the importance of history is to also to know it, to know where you're going to. You have to have, it's like being out in the wilderness in a compass, without a compass. Mm-hmm. You know, you may, if you know how to read the stars, great. You know how, you know, if you've got survival techniques like our friend Juan, more power to you. <laughs> I gotta have a compass. And, uh, even then I might just sit on a stump and wait for someone to come find me. Yeah. You know, I'm a rescue. <laughs> That's a savior. Right. That's right. I, I definitely need a savior. I don't know about the rest of you guys out there, but I will tell you, I probably couldn't find my way out of a paper bag without a savior. But here we go, Evelyn. We're talking about this principle of a God-centered education. And why aren't we talking about it right now? Well, hey, 
I mean, HEB and Walmart and everybody else. I mean, it is time to ramp up. Our kids are about to go back to school. What does that mean for all of us? And what's happening in the schoolhouse? We want to talk about impacting a nation and what a nation is built upon. You've got to look at some of these principles. And we talked about the principle of life. Mm-hmm. human dignity, the value of human life. We talked about healthy relationships and the family. So we're talking there about cornerstones of civilization and cornerstones of a nation unless we unless we have families that are healthy, unless we're pursuing healthy relationships, unless we understand that we're answerable to God. What do we mean by a God-centered education? Does this mean, you know, that we want to go back to the time? Can we go back to the time when poor Richards was what was being taught when it was Dick just and Jane. and just ABC's right C spot run? I mean, is that realistic, or what are we talking about? Well, we're talking about family, um, family unity in the area of mother and dad and this was one of these principles that we started out with cindy is family how is it that a family can and should take responsibility for the education of their children and what is the biblical admonition for that well it comes basically from proverbs 1 7 the fear of the lord is the beginning of wisdom okay so there's a major roll-up in all of this in other words you're saying education isn't just about head knowledge we're so in some degree we're redefining education and that is at the core of this idea of a god-centered education Mm -hmm. if you're just sending your kids to school for head knowledge then do you know that you are raising Children in wisdom and understanding in the area of character and integrity. And if you think that that's what's going to come out of the schools Mm. these days, you're sorely mistaken. We're talking about this idea of not abdicating the parental role, the major parental role, and we covered that in the family, of educating children, which is that it's parents who instill wisdom, who instill character, who instill uh, integrity, and the principles of what God talks about in being responsible, being a responsible citizen. Well, that is so true, Cindy. And you know, we we when we first be- introduced this subject of God-centered education, and it has to be Christ-centered. He is our rope of hope. Uh, whether we're talking about our family, we're talking about the state of Texas, or we're talking about our nation. Uh, and we, we, we did define early on that parents blame the school system. You know, the parents just think the school system is just gone down the track to nowhere. Where the teachers and the superintendents and the educators blame parents because parents are not involved in their own children's education. So we recognize that there is a dichotomy here in regard to how you might define this. But we always go back to what it is God has to say about our responsibility for the education of our children. And that comes from Ephesians 6, 4, and it says this, Fathers, and we would say mothers, don't exasperate your children by coming down hard on them, 
take them by the hand and lead them in the way of what? The master, master. You the know savior. What, you know what that reminds me of? Uh, we had an interview uh, over Father's Day with, uh, one of your pastoral mm-hmm. staff, John Woods, at First uh, First Baptist Pflugerville, and he talked about his major responsibility mm-hmm. as a father was to be a man of God, mm-hmm. not to talk to his children just about who God is, but to be a model and to demonstrate that to his children that that was his major mm-hmm. responsibility as a parent and as a father. That's really what you're talking about there. It is. And, and one little add-on to that, John is took his uh, oldest son, who is adopted, with him. He's in Tojo, which is in South Africa. They left this week. John took his son on a mission trip with him to go to a mission field to work. And let him see what life is like outside of their family. You know, when you have a man like John Woods that is that involved in children, his own children's lives, and in the lives of our children or our grandchildren, in a way of educating in the master's way, there is hope in this nation, Cindy. Well, there is. And, you know, we began this conversation around education and reminding people about the covered wagon days. <laughs> there is. Okay. All right. I'll or get, the Model T days. No, we're farther back than that. I'm. We can't apologize for what was an exceptional inspired beginning Mm -hmm. in the homes in colonial America. We're not pitting it up there as an icon of perfection Mm -hmm. because we know there was many imperfect things about it. Education was not accessible by all. It had some disparity between color. It had disparity in gender. It had disparity in money. But here's the bottom line. When people came to America, one of the great things that was established was education in the home. It was like the continuation of the Reformation in Europe continued in the home and at the hearth of America. Because children arrived at school, which was usually a third grade, Uh by and large reading. We had a great literate populace. Not an illiterate populace, like you might assume, but a literate populace. What had they grown up reading? What was the one book in the home? It was the Bible. Mm -hmm. So the children who went to church every Sunday, who heard the word of God, then as they sat down to begin to read, they could recognize what they had heard in church, and it became a greater tool for reading. Now not was it just then a knowledge base, but it began it began the foundations of wisdom in a child's life of character. Children were infused from the beginning with the understanding of things like telling lies, of of honesty, of borrowing and lending, of truthfulness, of those things that were vital to their understanding of how they would interact mm-hmm. in a population as citizenry. And I will tell you, women had a major responsibility in the home place. Fathers had um, also a major responsibility in the fields where they oftentimes 
instilled in their children both a work ethic and an occupational skill. That was, you know, much how that was done. Internship. Mm -hmm. And listen, here's the thing that, that you want to talk about covered wagons and whether it's valuable or not. This was all free. Well, it was free to the degree that uh, there was not an outside control over it, Cindy. Every family was responsible for educating their own children. They came together as community to teach those relational skills and the other things that, you know, that you uh, uh, spelled out for us. But, you know, even... In the capital city of Boston, which was, you know, the capital of the colonies, uh, the the greatest hand for helping a, was basically the family. It was teaching children to be helpers. I can remember when our son David was three years old. Now, David can run the world. He is one of those individuals uh, that could run the world, or he thinks he can. And <laughs> yeah, there's a big difference. Uh, yeah, yes, absolutely. Uh, and when he was three years old, uh, he was doing logic that most uh, seven and eight year olds couldn't do. Why was that? It was because I was a stay at home mom, and he was way far above average in intelligence and in activity, and. The thing about that that really convinced me was how was it that we had those strong leaders early in our nation? It was because there were stay-at-home moms who had the time and had the desire and the means to teach children how to use love and logic. And that's what we're talking about. Well, we're going to come back and we're going to talk about the influence of the pulpit in early education This is Love Talk on the Word. Good morning. I am Cindy Vonna. Love talking in the beautiful glass. KLGO, the word studios, 1490 True Talk Radio. Reminding you that we're streaming live at klgo.net. You can also catch up with Evelyn and I at lovetalknetwork.com. Evelyn, we're in a wrap portion of the program and we've been talking about this principles and in leaving a spiritual let legacy, the seven principles upon which a nation is built, and undergirding this idea that um, a nation isn't built in the White House, That's right. but, written, but built in every house. Mm-hmm. And so we covered the home and the family, and now we're looking at the schoolhouse. There's, there's too much attention given to the government house, to the White House, to the to the to the Congress and uh-huh. and to those seats of authority rather than the truth of the matter is, is that, that a nation has and is always built in the hearts of the individual, in the hearts of what's going on at the hearth and at the home 
and in the schoolhouse. And we've painted this picture of what was going on during this exceptional time in America's history, not because we want to go back there, but you better grab hold of what are those salient points of that time in history so that we don't let those go away. And one of them was is that education was greatly influenced in the church house. Mm-hmm. Now, how did that come to happen? It wasn't just that pastors were standing up at the pulpit on Sundays and talk and moralizing about the Bible. The church house had become and was the major place of discourse amongst the community as to how they would live to get one all the one another's living together under the principles and the precepts of God. That's so true, Cindy. And, you know, it was divided between discourse, which was godly discourse and discussion or dialogue, and missions. The mission was is that it would strengthen the family. It would provide for each other. It was not a communist mindset but a community mindset that when someone had a need then that need would be provided by those that loved each other in part not just of a family but of a community and uh, when when we look at where we are in that regard today uh, most of the pastors or the leaders of communities were were pastors who were very well versed in what God's word had to say. They knew it, they lived it, they preached it, and they delivered it to in ways that people could understand. I read I've been doing some research because as I mentioned, I've been asked to do a blog on, you know, how the um, how Christians what the Christian perspective is toward prayer and the election. And I came up with um uh, one survey that said there are 335 million people in America today and that only 87% of them attend worship regularly. Not, you know, go to Bible. 87% not, do attend or 80%, do not? 80% do not attend oh. regularly. So that means only 20% of 335 million people are actually sitting under a godly discourse. You know, there we have our own churches now. We have, you know, church in our home or it, it's kind of like the homeschool thing. But that that's not the point of our discussion today. The point of our discussion is is how am I going to live my life in a way that I will be used by God to make a difference in the world in which I live today. Now, I am not involved in the educational system to the extent that we don't have children. Uh, we don't even have grandchildren in school today. Uh, probably in three years, four years, we'll have great-grandchildren. But we need to look at the educational system in this nation in every aspect from, from the time the children enter uh, preschool uh, with parents, both parents working, and you drop them off and you pick them up and you put them to bed. Uh, to the point that they, we have those 
kids who have gone through the school system, come out of a school system, or are moving, have moved back into the home of parents because they can't make a living. This thing of education is a hot seat, Cindy. And it's one of the things that we really need to consider really uh, specifically in regard to those decisions that we make about who we're going to trust as we move forward. Well, it was important to God. Let me just put it like that. And that's why we opened it up with God-centered education. And we want to take just a couple of minutes as we uh, uh, come to our close to talk about what are those practical things that, that we can do either as individuals or as a community of believers, whether it's organized church or it's neighborhood church or home groups, how to preserve the schoolhouse today. And especially because, um, you know, kids are going back to school. So here's one. We can start an after-school Bible club. You know, the, there are many legal precedents. I'll put this up on our blog on okay. Love Talk Network so that people will have these legal precedents. There are many schools that allow community groups, such as Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts, to use the school facilities for after-school meetings. One op- opportunity is to have a a Bible club. Another one is to support See You at the Poll, which is going to be in September when students and parents and community members come together. And that's also something that is upheld under the Constitution. We can collect school supplies for children in need and uh, make sure that we are part of a school supply drive and create backpacks filled with supplies to distribute to children in need. We can publicize uh, God-centered events at school so that kids who are looking for an option would have an option, Evelyn, to participate in things like that. And one of the things that we can do that are incredibly important is adopt a school, mm-hmm. adopt a teacher, adopt a leader. Adopt a leader, adopt a teacher, Cindy. That's what this life is about uh, in regard to what we are to do during this particular time. But, you know, Cindy, we can talk about all these techniques. We can talk about all these stats. We can talk about uh, what we do, what we don't do, what we need to do, or what we should not have done. But the most important thing that we have to keep focused on and center of our the center point of our life is that cross point that is that our rope of hope is Jesus Christ we know how the book ends we know that there's going to come a time of judgment we know there's going to be a time of rewarding and so our mission during the time we're on this journey of life and this journey of love is to represent the best of who Christ is. And so that's why missions are so important for us. That's why John Woods on his way are now in in, in Africa. It's because he has a heart for a world that's seeking uh, the answers to the issues of life. And we would say to you today, there is an answer to all we've talked about today. And it is very, very simple. It's not complicated. It's the ABCs of God's love for us. First of all, the scriptures say that we have to acknowledge that we need a Savior. And Jesus is that Savior, Cindy. The B is that we've got to believe that he has the answers. And we've got to know how to find them within God's word and believe them and pray over them so that they become realistic in our life. 
And then C is that we would commit ourselves to so living uh, in a way that people can look at us and see how great God is. That we commit our lives to him and be obedient to him and serve him and love in a way that people will know that God's real. So how is it, Cindy, that, that those who are listening to us today can come to know that it is by just praying and asking Jesus Christ to come into life. And there are many things that we can make available to you. And uh, one of the things we want to do today is to give our phone number, Cindy, and give our website so they can get into it. Yeah, you can catch up with Evelyn and I at lovetalknetwork.com. You can also uh, get a hold of us through KLGO, which is 637-967-3637, the word, and the love line, 249-6535. Also just want to, for those of you in the education community who come in and know God every day and speak truth and wisdom into the hearts of our children and pray for them daily, we want to bless you and thank you for godly principals godly superintendents and godly teachers we want to bless them for parents who are infusing their children and educating them we bless you this has been love talk on the word This is Juan Martinez letting you know that Love Talk has been brought to you by the word True Talk Radio, 1490 AM, as well as Love Talk's partnering sponsors, Ellison Salazar, Casa Mechanical Services, Ray Gardner Triad Ministries, Hill Country Landscape, First Baptist Church Pflugerville, and The Good News Journal. <laughs>